As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. James, we are like days away as we record this from actual hockey. Um, I wanted to know how excited you are on a scale of 1 to 10. Well, actual hockey being maybe we get the start of a training camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's not the actual hockey that uh, the fans are hoping for. And uh, it does start to feel like it's getting close to being close, if that makes sense. Like, they're talking about playing the games that mean something August 1st. You know, that's like three weeks away. So it's starting to feel more real. They're going to have the vote on the, the CBA and the return to play here in the next couple of days. And we'll see how quickly all the players can kind of get to their cities for training camp and how fast this all comes together but yeah it's it's going to be fascinating especially when you look at what some of the return to play some of the th- problems they're having in MLS and, and baseball and this this is not going to be without a hitch you know across the league and there's going to be some bumps and it's kind of like everybody hang on for the ride here okay well I don't want to delay anymore our guests um we did uh in the beginning of this this amazing pandemic that's been so fun, uh, we did a look at the most interesting Leafs coming back um, whenever hockey came back, uh, and we had Mark Masters from TSN on to do it. So we thought we'd bring him back with training camp around the corner. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, guys. Three months, more than three months later, I'm back for part two. <laughs> It's like the sequel that comes like 10 years later. Yeah, Twin Peaks revisited the return. The demand for you to be back was so great that <laughs> we waited until we had absolutely nothing left to talk about and we had you back. Uh, you, you finally relented to Masters Nation. I appreciate that. Uh, you don't want to make too many enemies in that group. They're, they're Riley. 
I'm going to say you were the Jay McClement of podcast guests for us because we know we can just count on you. You're going to bring the heat. We can put you on the ice anytime. You're not going to cost us. You're just going to be reliable. I'm a good pro. We're joking, but like the episode we did with you was actually excellent. If people didn't hear it, I would recommend going back and listening. We did deep dives on six of the Leafs players, and we're going to do six more today. And just because of how much time all three of us spend around the team, but especially you, Mark, and especially you, Jonas, uh, I think there's some interesting insights and debates we can have about the different players. And we did it kind of with the draft where everyone kind of picks different guys that they want to talk about. So uh, Jonas is kind of the... uh, the host he'll he'll have an idea of what direction we're going to go with that okay well so thank you for the segue james mark i'm going to let you pick the first player uh, and then we will discuss that player so Guess mark choice you're on the clock uh, i think we should remind everyone in case they did not uh hear or don't recall recall that april 1st podcast the players that we already have talked about just so they don't think we're skipping over anyone but that was william nylander michael hutchinson thanks james um, Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner, Alex Kerfoot, Andreas Janssen, and Kasperi Kapanen. So uh, that's the group that's off the board uh, from our companion podcast. Uh, I will, uh, with the first pick of this round, I uh, can't believe we haven't talked about him yet, but Austin Matthews uh, was on pace to, to break the franchise record for single-season goals. Um, and I am uh, very intrigued to see what he's going to look like when we come back. He always seems to have a new trick up his sleeve when he comes back. Uh, something he works on. Uh, I know it's not ideal, the uh, pandemic, and, and, and they haven't been skating every day, but I, I'm intrigued to see uh, what he'll look like, and it looks like he's taking the next step into superstardom, and, um, you know, he wasn't on my heart trophy ballot this year, but he's, he's getting pretty darn close. So, um, yeah, Austin Matthews with the number one pick right there. Mark, you know, everyone talks about the goals with Matthews, and they should because of how prolific he was in the in the kind of the step he took in, in that department. But, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is, and if you look at this kind of in, in terms of the analytics and, and that kind of thing, is that his all-around play really took another step to the next level and probably didn't get talked about enough this year. So, you know, I think it was, it was kind of multifaceted kind of the next steps that, that Matthews took. Yeah, and, and James, I think there was a point, sorry, Mark, like, I'm sure you remember this, Mark, uh, where Sheldon Keith brought that up. I think he said what surprised him, or maybe, maybe what surprised him the right word, but he brought up um, the defensive side of Matthew's game and how he saw that making or, or taking real strides this year. And I remember, obviously, in the fall, Mike Babcock, at one point, I think it was was in Columbus. I guess it doesn't matter where it was, but he said, like, I think this guy has the potential to be the best two-way center in hockey. And obviously this is a guy who coached Zetterberg, who coached Datsuk, who coached like these great two-way players. Um, and, and obviously he saw Matthews with everything that he can do kind of potentially getting to that point. I was impressed with his consistency. Uh, scored in 36 of 70 games this year. There wasn't, I didn't do a Matthews slump story. And uh, if you guys recall, back when Phil Kessel was uh, was uh, in Toronto, it felt like uh, I was, you know, he was so streaky. It felt like he'd go, you know, three, four, four, five games without a goal every every little bit. And I'd be, you know, chasing him down and not getting him and then grilling Tyler Bozak and James Van Riemsdyk about it and Joffrey Lupel about it. And they'd say the same thing as that he's streaky. But no, I mean, Matthews, not only has he he added that element of the well-roundedness, the defensive play in his own zone, I think playing more physically as well. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's throwing around his weight, but 
um, all the time, but he's learned how to, uh, whether through its positioning or just the moments where he can separate the, the man from the puck, um, he's a big guy and he's, he's learning more and more how to, to use that to great effect. And yeah, to me, he's just, he's getting, it's amazing. He was already that good when he came into the league. He keeps getting better. Uh, and I'm not sure, I mean, how good is this guy going to be? And he, you know, coming back, he's always been a fast starter, uh, always explodes out of the gates. He could take over this qualifying round series against the Blue Jackets. I mean, it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, the Jackets, we saw what they did to shut down Kucherov, Stamkos, and the Lightning in last year's uh, playoffs. But, geez, uh, Matthews, I'm intrigued to see what the, the next level even looks like for him after what he did this year. Well, it's a shame that there aren't more of those slump stories because he loves it when you do them. You know, isn't he? he's, he's such a big fan of when you ask him those kind of, quest, kind of questions. It's always a good interaction. No, I mean, actually, it was it made it tougher because uh, because uh, you know you had to drill down even more because there wasn't the the slump story. It was it was you're examining his greatness constantly, which I don't know if he was exactly thrilled with either. The uh, the questions about why he's so good and, and trying to figure it out. I mean, he doesn't want to give away much either, right? If he's if he's got something that he's using to. Uh, to, to get an advantage over the opposition. I don't blame him, blame him for that, but uh, we're always trying to understand greatness, right? And, and you know, what makes, you know, Sidney Crosby, you know, the way he has been for so long. And sometimes it's longevity and, and playing at a high level for a long time. And I'm sure Matthews will settle into to that high level at some point. He's just not there yet, which to me makes him so fascinating because he's, he's getting better. Well, and I think what's going to be interesting in looking ahead to training camp and obviously the return to play is where do they or who do they play with him? And obviously we saw for most of, you know, Sheldon Keefe being coach um, that he paired Matthews with, with Marner. And obviously that was, they had some great success for a while. And then right before the pause, it kind of felt like it got a bit stale and he switched it up. And so I'm wondering, uh, I'm working on something for camp and it's, it's top of mind for me is like, do you get him back with Marner and try to get that magic working, especially given how well, William Nylander played with, with John Tavares, or do you go back to like old hat and put Nylander and Matthews together, Marner and Tavares together, and kind of see what that looks like? I, I'm curious because I, I think there are different elements that come out uh, with the different combinations. Obviously, William Nylander is more of a shooter than Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is obviously a fantastic passer. I, I'm curious to see what Sheldon Keith does with that. Well, you're going to have Mikheyev back, uh, likely yeah. with Tavares, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's on the yeah. left, and if yeah, I guess it, it, Nylander seemed to really like playing on the left, um, which you could do with with Matthews if you put Hyman on his right side, which he's a righty anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be yeah, that that will be fascinating on day one at camp to see what the what the lines look like. Um, I, I, part of me f- feels like it'll be Matthews Nylander. I mean that was the way they played so well in that last game before the break, but uh, there is a chance now. And, and Sheldon Keefe's another great storyline. To me, uh, I just did a Sports Center hit. Uh, to they were talking about what you know, what's the number one storyline heading into camp, and I'm really interested to see what what Keith comes up with as some of the answers to the inconsistencies and just what he wants to do with a mostly healthy lineup. I mean, for the first time, uh, this will be his first full training camp, and he's got to push the right buttons because uh, there won't be much chance to correct mistakes if if they do come in that best of five series. So. Um, you're right. I mean, do you, do you go back to the natural Matthews Marner connection that had such a great run? Or um, I, I kind of feel like you, you you have Matthews Nylander to start with Hyman. So I don't know, James. What do you think? Well, I wonder if at some point they're going to want they're going to want some sort of like a shutdown or defensive line. 
like they had against the Bruins in the series last year. And so I wonder if what you do is that the Tavares line becomes that and Marner and Mikheyev are good good fits on, on one mm-hmm. line that needs to be more of a two-way presence. And then you can kind of unleash Nylander and Matthews in not like a fully sheltered offensive role, but in less of, there'll be less defensive responsibility for that group. Yeah, well, and we the, the only thing is, James, like we haven't seen, man, it feels so long, like trying to think back what, to what happened during the season, but Sheldon Keefe doesn't seem to chase that kind of thing as much as, as Mike Babcock did. Do you think that's fair? For sure. <laughs> What's it, Mark? It sounds like you're moving around there. Well, the air, uh, people don't know this, but before this started, we tried to get away from uh, some background noise in my apartment here, and then I just moved somewhere where <laughs> the, the air conditioning started rumbling uh, here. So I'm trying to get into a quieter spot. But I obviously you, wasn't subtle and uh, sneaky enough to, to do it without. I, we can hear your chair creaking. We can hear like a lot of ru- a lot of rustling. I'm picturing you wearing your full suit and everything like you would normally for a hit, and you're sliding all around. And so, not no full yeah, suit. A- I actually that was on Monday. It was the first time I've worn a full suit uh, since March. So it felt felt good, like a glove sliding on. And uh, mostly when I do my hits from home, I got jeans and a dress shirt and a jacket no tie we've gone no ties at tsn during this pandemic so that's Oof. gonna adapt something I've to adapt to. yeah i'm really mark, i'm really letting loose all right i think i'm in a mark, quieter place mark, now sorry guys mark, yeah that sounds better mark, okay. mark did you ever think about going full beard and just letting it go like for the whole pandemic <sighs> i've been really uh hesitant with facial hair i i when i first started at tsn they had this image consultant and we're talking about what the best <laughs> look was and they're like, maybe you look good with stubble because I kind of had this baby face and I was coming in and people were like, who's this kid and who is he related to at TSN that he got this job? And so I was trying to trend a little older. And uh, so one day I, I, I left a little stubble and Jay and Dan just, I forget what they said, but they were just poking a little fun at me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shave. I'm That's just going to be my, my look. I don't want to have to worry about it. Um, so I've never really uh, experimented with uh, facial hair since then. I've, I mean, I've had a few days where I haven't had interviews, and if I know I'm not interviewing anyone, I'm not going to shave. But uh, you know, I, I'll let it grow. But uh, because it can be quite annoying. But for the most part, I've been sticking with classic master's look. I love your so. image consultant stories. They're always amazing. <laughs> They're always amazing. We could do a whole show on that stuff. <laughs> oh, Jonas, man. did you ever get an image consultant? I did not. As a radio personality, they don't really care about your image as much. They didn't throw you on um, TV ever? Oh, okay. Yeah, you were J- Jonas and I had a famous Leafs Week broadcast. We were for, for the web only, but still, you were on camera for that, Jonas. And I remember we did a special holiday episode, and I think I gave you some some razors to try and... That might have <laughs> been the, the Lou Lamarillo era just started, but uh, that was a classic one. That's in the archives. All right, let's move on to the next player. James, you're up. <laughs> I'm up. Who am I going to pick? Oh, boy, this is a tough call. You, you know who I think is interesting, and not just just in certain terms of the ramifications for where they play and everything? I think Travis Dermott's a good person for us to talk about next. It's, you know, he started to play really well. What was it, the last, like, 8, 10 games before the, mm-hmm. the shutdown, before the break? Uh, I wonder, with everyone getting healthy on the back end, what you do with... Like, like, do you find a place for Sandine to play? Who do you sit? Is Dermot someone that you're comfortable giving more minutes to? Uh, does Cody Cece get back into a top four role? 
you know, when I've kind of played around with the lineup on our site and put it out there, and you ever, anytime you have CC in the lineup, the fan base kind of freaks out. The other option would be kind of like a, a young guy, Sandine Dermot pairing. And with how well Dermot was starting to play when he was getting more minutes, I think that that's something you would really think about. But Dermot's one of those guys that we came into the season, and it's like, well, now we're going to get a better idea of what he is. Can he step up? Can he play more of a role on this blue line? And we haven't really gotten that answer because, you know, he was hurt to start the year, and then he was kind of just not really that noticeable or effective for a long period of time as a third pair guy and we're still kind of waiting to to figure out what Travis Dermott is still and I, I don't know if we're going to get an answer to that but I think he could be one of the people that could be really important to to this this play-in series and potentially in the playoffs too uh, yeah I, I agree with that 100% I mean you're right I mean Dermott didn't take the step that I think a lot of folks were hoping he would take the take this season, but I, I was looking at the, the defense and how they're going to construct it. And, uh, you know, Cody CC being a veteran guy, trusted late in games at times, penalty kill, you know, you could certainly see him likely starting, likely being in the lineup for game one. But I, I to me, Rasmus Sandin brings a skill set and, and Dermot as well, where they can maybe skate the puck out of trouble and skate the puck through what the, the jackets are going to clog things up. Right. So you're going to need, your defense to be as, as active as, as, as possible to try and break that down. And Dermot, Dermot, to me, the way he was playing right before the stretch can do that. And, um, you know, this is basically with the break that they've had, it's longer than, than, than even an off season. So, I mean, he can really push the reset button and have the confidence that he had right at the end of the, uh, before the pause and come back and almost fresh and playing for that contract. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I, I'd almost like to see Dermot, uh, Sandine just to, to start, but I, I feel like yeah. Keith will stick with, with CC. We know he's he's praised him for some of the, the kind of things that coaches like that maybe fans and the media don't don't see as much, but I, I would be fascinated to see. And I guess Dermot would be on his offside there, but he's shown he can do that in the NHL. And he is he's an interesting guy, uh, Travis Dermot. What do you think, Jonas? Well, see, I think you guys are getting a little ahead of yourselves with Rasmus Sandine. I think you have to remember um, what happened kind of as the season moved along where it became pretty apparent that that physically it was a struggle for him in the NHL. And, and obviously when you're that young, you're that small uh, and you're trying to figure things out, it's hard. Like it's hard. Um, and to go against a team like Columbus, that's big and heavy. I just don't see that being something that they consider unless they have to. And that's why I think CC gets in, but I do think Dermot is really interesting. And, and like in a big picture sense, I wonder how much what, what James was talking about there, that stretch where he played really well, I wonder how much like that impacts management's thinking of him in the long term, because like if you don't get that glimmer where he's playing with Justin Hall, he's playing against top lines and he's really looking good, like he's playing as well as he has in the NHL. I wonder how much that stretch makes you think, you know what, like we've got something here. We're going to have to we got to hold on to this. We got to let this this kind of come out more, see where it goes, as opposed to like you could have looked at, at Travis Dermott if that doesn't happen and think, you know what? Maybe all the tools are there, but like maybe it won't come together. And granted, like he's really young. He hasn't played that many games. So maybe that would be premature. But if I'm them and I saw that, that really intrigues me looking ahead beyond just this year. But I would think, you know, come the start of the playoffs, he's on your third pair, either with with Cody Cece or Tyson Berry. Um, And you hope that that he can kind of give you some of the things that you saw before. Well, and Mark mentioned the contract briefly, and I think that that's an interesting point too because Mm -hmm. you look at his season statistically, and Dermot didn't play a lot of minutes. He didn't put up much numbers. He's not going to have a case to get a big payday. You know, whatever 
it's probably going to be given the with the cap being flat it's probably going to be a bridge deal it's probably i i would think probably a one-year deal maybe two and it's not going to be a lot of money and then all of a sudden you think about it and it's like okay dermot's still relatively young he's still got a lot of potential he's not going to cost us a lot of money we really can't we really need to bring him back next year you know we really need you know i i can't I don't know. I, I think you're right, Jonas. I think that that stretch kind of put his whole season in a different light. And I wonder if 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 the play-in games and, and the playoffs could add even another layer to that again. And and potentially, too. I mean, if he's really, really good and the Leafs play for a long stretch of time, maybe the the talk with the contract changes a little bit. But I just think if, if you're signing him for, you know, one and a half million or less or something like that, then he's not a piece that you're ready to move on from right now. Yeah, and, and to follow that up, James, like you can kind of start to see potentially, like obviously lots can change in the offseason whenever that comes, but like you can see what their defense is going to look like. You're going to have potentially, like obviously anyone can be moved, but you've got Riley, somebody that we don't know who that is, Muzzin Hall, Dermot Sandine, and like there's your there's your six, and then you've got like Lilligren as like seven and like guys like that kind Let's of on the it. bubble. Who's that? Yeah, letting in. Yeah, and and but like, you kind of get an idea of what they what they have, and and Dermot is is a really big part of that. Like, if he continues to grow, and like Riley's going to be a free agent in a couple years, suddenly that makes that decision a little bit easier because you've got Sandine, you've got Dermot, you've got Muzzin. Like, those are big picture questions, but obviously for the short term in the playoffs, if he can be a solid presence on their third pair, that makes a big difference. Dermot has played 157 NHL games. There's that old saying, right? You had a defenseman, you don't know. I was yeah. Randy Carla used to say, you don't know who they are until 300 games. So he's only kind of halfway through that that process, and I expect him to take a big step. I would hope he was going to take a big step. He certainly seems to have the gifts to do it. So um, certainly a media all star already, but we'll see if he can uh, yeah. explode. He's a very fun guy to talk to. Um, the, certainly the seems to have question. that swagger. Big question though is if you take CC out, which is what the fans want, who plays on the right side? Because they haven't really played anyone there very much. Like they haven't really put yeah. Dermot there a lot. They haven't put Sandine there at all. Like I can't see them going into the playoffs and then all of a sudden they're going to be experimenting with that. I would have liked to see more during the season. They tried some different guys on the right side because you look at who they're going to have next year, and it's there's going to be some left shot guys on the right side. I just think like, you, you have to remember not just the, the whole right shot. It's like you have to remember responsibilities. And so like if you're putting Sandine, Dermot, and you're you're not having CeCe in the lineup, like who are you playing against? I don't know. Like you're using Muzzin and Hall against the Jackets top line. Or like are you comfortable with Riley and Barry potentially getting some of that matchup? The numbers looked really good for those two. But it, it felt like it was unstable, and obviously by the time Riley came back, that first game, the last game, uh, it was Riley Cece, uh, and, and Tyson Berry was on the third pair. So he's he's an interesting dude, and, and I think that is a perfect time to, to use my pick and, and go with Tyson Berry. He's had a very interesting season, obviously. Uh, it's hard to foresee a situation where he's back next year. Obviously, free agency is going to be effed up, so who knows what will happen. Uh, but it never really did feel like he found a total fit here. I know, you know, there's a storyline of Sheldon Keefe took over. He felt more comfortable. He got him the power play. But it still never really felt like it worked as I think they probably imagined. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to want a full Sheldon Keefe training camp more than, than Tyson Berry. I mean, 
it's a chance to to rewrite the whole narrative a little bit if the Leafs go on a on a long run, and especially if if you mentioned if he's playing with Morgan Riley and and in in the top four rather than you know bottom bottom pair uh, uh, with with Dermott there. So we'll see what the what the defense alignment looks like. Uh, hopefully on Monday when we or Tuesday whenever the the training camp practices get really revved up. But uh, but yeah, I mean Barry is a guy with the new you know economic reality of 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 uh, you know of the NHL world. You're at the beginning of this season before we knew any of this was going to play out. You're thinking he's going to cash in, and now he's coming off a a tough season and the, the business models changed. And so he really needs to have a, have a good run here. And uh, you, you would imagine he'd be a bit more, you know, at ease just with the time off and he's a little more comfortable. And I really feel like, uh, you know, if he's court, quarterbacking the, the top power play unit, they need the, the least need their power play to kind of do to Columbus, what, what the Bruins did to them the last two years and be the difference maker uh, in a series where there might not be a lot of space out there. If the jackets play up to their potential and Barry, Barry could be a big part of that. So, um, he, he's, he's, he, whatever happens, he's probably going to factor a big role in this, this qualifying round. You know, what's interesting is that Barry was so productive under Keefe that it kind of, his numbers aren't actually as bad as I thought they were. You look now, like no. he, he had 39 points in 70 games, which, you know, you play all 82 and it gets you up to around 45, which is pretty respectable for a defenseman. Like, I think if you would have told us at the beginning of the year that Barry was going to have 45 points, he would have said, yeah, okay, that probably makes about, you know, that sounds about right. And. I don't know. I, I think they. I think they got to continue to find a way to play him to his strengths and continue to use him as an offensive weapon because that's why they acquired him and that's kind of the. That that's, that's the mold that they want this team to be and the way they want them to play. And Barry's a guy who's become very very close with Austin Matthews and and some of the star player Morgan Riley, some of the star players on the Leafs in a very short period of time. And, you know, th- those really highly skilled Leafs players want to play with Tyson Berry and they want to feed off of what he does and some of his creative energy. And I wonder if he plays a bigger role in the, in, in these games, these important games than, than maybe we're thinking. And I wonder if that they do go back to Riley and Barry uh, to start the play. in. I think that that's going to be one of those questions that they have to answer in, in the training camp and in the, in the exhibition games that they're going to get is, are, are they willing to, I don't want to call it high risk, but are they willing to go with more of a risky formation on defense than perhaps the safer play, quote unquote, safer play, which might be to put CC with Riley and have that kind of yin yang thing that you often see in the NHL with defense pairs. Well, it's interesting, like to your point, James, like it would be, you would think it would be advantageous uh, in terms of Barry's skills to get him in the offensive zone more. And so my thinking might be to play him with Dermot give them tons of offensive zone starts, hmm. you know, get them out there with Matthews, get them out there with Tavares when you can um, use him that way. He's also a really good puck mover, obviously. Uh, but I would just think like the less time I can have him defending, the better. Well, and then uh, to your point, Jonas, about Keith maybe not being as fixated on the match game versus maybe more zone starts, right? Um, but I, I like the idea of Barry and, and Riley. I think when when just to getting back to what James said, you got to look at what the identity of your team is, and you got to kind of play to it. And if they're going to own the puck and be offensively creative, and that's what they want to be doing, I think Barry's got to play a play a role. And it's up to them to get him feeling good. And Keith did a good job of that after he took over. And if he has a good training camp, and he's like you know, I remember that first game. Opening night uh, in Toronto, he made that spin-o-rama move, set up, I think, Mikheyev for his first goal. 
beautiful play, and you're like, you're thinking this is what he's going to be. He's, he's feeling it. He's And then it felt like Babcock kind of stamped that out of him a little bit, or at least got him thinking where he was in between on a lot. And, uh, you know, you, if he's feeling it, um, he can be a dynamic presence. He, he's, he was brought in not just to be, you know, I, I think when they acquired him, you know, you're not thinking he's going to be, you know, bottom bottom payroll. I think they need him if they're going to go on a run to, to be – uh, be an active guy in the top four, especially considering, I mean, the other options is, is CC on that right side. I, I just think you, you, you just got to play to your, what your, what your team's all about. And I think Barry kind of, kind of, you know, represents that identity in a lot of ways. I just think we've seen that twosome Riley and, and Barry get exposed when, you know, against like a cycling team that's kind of big and heavy and that's, Columbus kind of I I don't know I, I think it's a really interesting question um, with him and he's had like a, man it's been a weird year like I, I I wonder if you ask them going back like if, if they thought this was how it was going to work out do you still make that trade I guess the answer obviously is no uh, I do think there has been like a mischaracterization of the Riley CeCe thing when it comes to what could lay ahead they're not going to be you know, your top matchup pair like they were before. And I do think like if you're using Riley and CC against second and third lines, that that can be okay. Like the numbers for them were okay against top lines, not great. And obviously they had to blow it up. Um, but I wonder if you're using Muzzin Hall against top lines and, and there's a question of whether that will work. Um, but that Riley and CC can kind of be okay as your second pair, as opposed to your first pair. James, well, what do you think? Well, and we need to, put the asterisks out there that that Morgan Riley was hurt for a lot of the time that he was playing with yes. CC early in the Good year point. so Morgan Riley wasn't at his best and I expect that with the the layoff being so long that he's going to be fully recovered and ready to go and that's going to be a uh, a nice boost for the Leafs having him at, at full health which was was an uncertainty going into the playoffs before everything shut down should we move on to our next player but first actually James well, yeah I've got I've got you're mine. on the clock I, I'm going to break the rotation and I'm going to make my next pick and it's gonna, I'm going to go way off the board here. Support for the Leaf Report is brought to you by Manscaped, which is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh, I love that rhyming. Uh, when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, Mark Masters. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, Mark Masters. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today, Mark Masters, and use code THEATHLETIC. Markscaping. I like <laughs> it. I'm Good sold. job, James. I should have. I should have switched that up. Yeah, I should have. Next, next time we have you on, and I have to read about a, a ball trimmer, I will. I will work your name in there a little bit more. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm up there. This might be a record-setting appearance for me in terms of guest spots in the Leaf Report podcast. I'm kind of like yeah. the Steve Martin what are you, here four? to SNL. Is this the fourth time? Might be the fifth. Yeah. I've had a the good best run was here. that one when. When we had the ten-hour drive from Boston, in, <laughs> that in was the middle of the, the best. in the middle of the playoff series, and were yeah. you in the back seat or was it? Yeah, you were. Yeah, in the I back was in the back seat, seat we, saying that they should get rid of Thomas Placanitz and bench him, and then 
the next game, Blackannitz was in the in the well, category spot, getting matched. You against know Bergeron. what? You know what though? You look back though, and the numbers with Blackannitz on the ice were terrible. Yeah. Like it, it, if you like do revisionist history and you go back and you watch some of those games, or you look at some of the statistics, it's like holy cow! Like. What were they doing with this guy? Right. So but I know, they I know got that the best like out of him there in, in those yeah, next couple of games, amazingly. Yeah, but I think it's pretty telling what happened to his career after he left Toronto. Yes. That, that you know. Yeah. Anyway, turtleneck though. How do we uh, how do we transition away from the uh, the manscaper to the? I, I guess we just let Mark make his next pick. <laughs> There's no easy segue here. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll get my next pick. Pick and. Uh, uh, we did Hutchinson in the first uh, group, and I'm gonna, I'm going with Freddie, Freddie Anderson. I mean, statistically, is his toughest season, save percentage wise. Um, he was playing better right before the pause, so who knows? Maybe he was about to have a great final kick and would have gotten those numbers back up where we're used to seeing them around the nine eighteen spot. But um, he's 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 wrapping up. Uh, he's heading into a contract year after this one, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the, he has been he hasn't been the best goalie in a series yet for the Leafs. Um, they haven't been able to push push past the first round, and he's been big big part of that. And he'll be the he'll be the the goalie that is seen as the better goalie, even though you know El, Elvis Merzlikens and and Jonas Corposello had good years. I think a lot of people are going to look at that matchup and say, okay, the Leafs will have some stability there, a veteran guy who's got playoff experience, and. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm very very interested to see what the next step and the next phase looks like for Freddie Anderson here because the Leafs have to make make a call on him pretty soon. See, I don't know, Mark, that if the Leafs do have the advantage in goal. Like I look at how well Elvis played all year in his first year, and obviously a bit of a wild card given we haven't seen him play a lot in the NHL. But there's a possibility that that he's the better goaltender in this series for sure. And you know he came in highly regarded. He had the huge years over in Europe and. I don't know. I mean, the Leafs could be up against it with this guy. I mean, they're going to have to try and get to him early, I think, and because his his confidence level is is a lot higher given the season he's had compared to where Anderson was, you, even with. Are yeah, you sure ahead. he's going to start game one? Because some of the Columbus guys seem to think that maybe Torts might lean towards a vet, more veteran guy in Corpusello. Well, I don't. I I just think that that's this is a big wild card in this series. Is what happens in goal. That's like. Even Corpusallo is a decent goaltender as well. Yep. I mean, it's 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 going to be really really interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of elements on this Columbus team that they're one of those teams that really went under the radar a lot of the year, and they're a team that isn't really a sexy kind of rival for the Leafs, and it's not a team that that the Leafs media or the fan base knows very well. But I think that they're underrated, and I think that they're going to be a tough test. And I think one of the reasons is 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 what's happening in goal for them. They're they're they've kind of figured things out after post-Bobrovsky better than, than I think anyone expected. Well, and I think um, if you're talking about who's going to be in the most difficult situation coming back, that it might be the goaltenders. Like, And, and mm. we have seen, it's not quite the same thing, but we've seen Frederick Anderson struggle at camp, struggle early in the season. Uh, and you wonder if under these conditions where it's going to be like a couple weeks at camp mm. and then you're starting if that's going to be a problem for him, like if he's going to be able to find his game, like there's no time. I guess that's the thing. There's no time to find your game. Like either you're going or you're not because the series can just be over. And, and to both your points, like there's a lot riding on this big picture for, for Frederick Anderson, especially with the way the regular season went. Like if he has a good playoff, 
that changes the narrative, I think, slightly going into next year. It changes the narrative a bit, potentially, with his contract. But if he doesn't, suddenly all those questions that we had throughout the year and, like, Jack Campbell comes in, suddenly those those become a bigger thing uh, heading into next year. So maybe we see October Freddy in August, which is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's a good point about him taking time to, to get ready and... I... I, just, I have no idea what they're going to get from Anderson. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that, that gives me a little bit more uh, confidence maybe in the Leafs goaltending is that Jack Campbell played pretty well and that they've got an option there. But in a best of five, you're not going to have a lot of time to pivot. It's not like like if you lose the first yeah. game, all of a sudden you got to win three of the next four. Like it's 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 going to well, be Well, James, off. to that uh, point, it, yeah. I just wonder, now that you're saying that, like I wonder not just in Toronto, but – for some of the the more tenuous goaltending situations, like how patient a coach will be. Like if Frederick Anderson has a rough first game and a rough second game, like whether there's any inclination to be like, you know what, we got to try something different and go to Jack Campbell. Like there's also every possibility he plays really well and, and has a great series. But like I wonder now that they actually have a backup that they have some trust in, what kind of leash that, that means for Freddie. Do you think if – maybe Mark can answer this. Do you think if Anderson – plays poorly that that they should think more about moving on from him maybe faster than this is something Jonas and I have debated a couple of times they should maybe rethink their goaltending situation for next year well whatever happens in this playoffs they gotta like Jack Campbell's gonna play play a significant amount of games I would think next season there'll be a, a bit more of an even divide there um I kind of feel like this year just as you mentioned the short series you kind of um you know Anderson's kind of your guy and you kind of just got to ride him. I mean, even if he has, I mean, he'd have to be pretty brutal. I mean, he'd have to be pretty brutal in a couple of games there for you to to, to, to say, okay, we got to get Campbell in there. I mean, and that'd be a gutsy call. And that, that that's the type of call, if you bench your Freddie Anderson in, in the playoffs, you know, doesn't bode well for his for his future with the team heading into a contract year. So whatever happens in this playoffs, I, I, I'm imagining it's going to be a lot closer. Like Freddie's not going to be on pace for, for 60 starts. It'll be more 50-30 type type alignment there um and then you, you kind of get a better evaluation of campbell and we'll be keeping obviously close tabs on on anderson um who's getting older but again goalies can can go on longer so i mean I, again the as you guys have mentioned the goaltending is the biggest wild card heading into this to this resumption because it's been so long and I think what they might get one or two exhibition or preseason games. I, I haven't seen the talk was been two, right? So do you give them both to Freddie or maybe he plays a game and a half, but that's still not as much as he, he would usually get. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's, uh, it's such a wild card. And again, I was just doing the numbers for, for that sports center hit 900 say percentage in the month of October um, as a leaf. He did have the one good October, um, not this season, but the previous season where, you know, it seemed like he yeah. figured it out, but then this year again, kind of a slow start. So, um, lots of lots of question marks around around Freddie Anderson, and can he be the workhorse and the the guy to be the the backbone for this team? Because we know that the breakdowns are going to come with just with the way they are, even if the defense is playing up to their potential, and they need him. Uh, the whole confidence of the team seems to be based on if if they know that if they make a mistake, Freddie can clean it up, and if you know the first one goes in. You know, early in the series on a breakdown, how is that going to affect things? I also wonder, no fans, there won't be maybe the same buildup. You might be playing at noon or, I don't know, <laughs> the Leafs will probably get the later I, yeah. start. I doubt it. The Leafs, yeah, the Leafs will be prime time. So they'll be, time. but either way, there'll be no, it's not like 
Elvis Merzlikens has never played in the playoffs, and he'll be walking into a crazy barn in Toronto. It'll be it's going to be kind of a weird environment for for both goalies because I can't imagine any of them have played in an empty stadium recently, arena recently. So I feel like maybe that you know might you know it's not going to be like people are going to be heckling him or cheering him or anything. It's just going to be kind of like it might be a way to allow him to say like everyone's in the in the same spot, but, and James, you made the point, they, these, these, both these Columbus goalies had a better season than, than Freddie, so, um, when you're looking at who had the hot hand, it was those guys, so, but the least don't, they least needed to go the other way, and they need Freddie not just to be good in that series, but if they're going to go on a run, um, he's really got to be their best player, or their second best player, if you want to say Matthews, he's got to be right up there, and he, and he wasn't for much of this year. I wonder, too, if it's harder for a goalie over this period of not being on the ice for so long and not really being in your rhythm and not working with the goalie coach individually. And I'm sure there's been mm-hmm. some contact in terms of Zoom calls and whatever, but I just wonder if that throws a goalie more out of their rhythm than a player, potentially. I mean, I we've seen evidence of lots of the skaters have been getting on the ice. They've been Some guys have been using rollerblades. Guys have been working on their stick handling and all those kinds of things. I would think it's it's a bit more complicated for a goaltender to get to see enough NHL shots. And by the time that the games matter in August, they're going to have been off for almost five months. So I just wonder if one of the storylines, I'm expecting chaos in terms of the results of this tournament. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the goaltending is probably going to be all over the place. Well, and James, like what do we see every October? It's like, it's like a bonanza because the goalies like take some time defensively teams will take time. Like that's another thing like Mark touched on. Um, defensively like you wonder what it's going to look like for a lot of these teams whether it's going to be like october november where it's just like chaotic um i think we should move on to the next guy so james uh you're up my turn okay i'm going to pick someone who has not yet played for the maple leafs does anyone have a guess who that might did anyone have a guess who that might be spicy robertson (laughs) mr robertson He's really going to help the defense, right? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, 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 I'm on the record, and Jonas and I have talked about it a lot and debated it, and not, like I think Robertson can step right in and make an impact for the Leafs right away. But that's going to be one of those things that the the training camp um, and and the exhibition games, you're, they're going to have an opportunity to potentially slot him. You know, with Janssen out, I think that potentially he can be a guy that makes sense on on that third line left wing spot. You know, and I would I would certainly try him there in training camp with Kerfoot and Kapanen. And um, I think I don't know for sure, but I think he's been skating with those guys in some of these groups. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of information about which group everybody's in, other than what the players have told us on a few Zoom calls. Uh, he Robertson hasn't been. I know he's been skating since the beginning with. Uh, with one of the groups, uh, but he wasn't on with, with Tavares. He wasn't on with Matthews. So stands to reason that maybe they're trying to get some, some chemistry there with, with Kerfoot, uh, someone who he obviously doesn't know very well. And I could see that, you know, kind of the straight ahead speed of Kapanen and then kind of the, the playmaking skills that Kerfoot has, that that could be a really intriguing third line potentially for them. And I bet you that that gets a long look when, uh, when the training camp opens potentially next week. So I think that Nick Robertson can be a factor in this series if if he can step in and and be a top nine forward right away. Well, and Mark, uh, I'll I'll push it to you because I know you and I kind of debated this. I was James and I have both been like on record very early that like we don't think it's in doubt. Like I think he should be given an opportunity right away. I think they need his punch. I think like he can bring something different that any of the other guys cannot. But I remember talking to you about it and you were like, well, like, are you, are you just going to bump 
Pierre Engvall right away. Like you're not even like you're not going to give that the first look, and if it doesn't work, go from there. Uh, are you still in that frame of mind, or do you think like James and I do that you just need to give Robertson the go? Uh, and if it doesn't work early, you can just take him out. Well, I can certainly understand the 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 re- rationale for why you'd say just let this kid kind of carry on the momentum from a 55 goal year, and um, it's by all accounts he's had a great uh, even quote unquote off season or whatever's happening right now in terms of just keeping it going. Uh, and you're right, the options. It's not like there's there's any great options there with with the way Pierre Engvall was playing down the stretch. Um, and, you know, I guess what, what would be the other option is you push Kerfoot to the wing and have Spets as your third-line center with Kapanen, and maybe he's fine, finds that uh, fountain of youth that Patrick Marlowe can never locate in down the stretch in his Toronto career that Babcock kept talking about. But I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk as, as much, or not. I don't think you guys are saying it's a slam dunk, but I don't, I'm not as sold on it, I guess, as much as you guys are. Just, uh, you know, it's funny, I'm taking the other kind of stance of, of, of the Rasmus Sandin thing here is he's a smaller guy and playing the bigger Columbus Blue Jackets and the margin for error is so small. There tends to be a, uh, a greater uh, trust in, in guys that have a, a longer track record. And as, as, as tough as, as it was for Engvall down the stretch, he did have a really good run there at some point. And you wonder how he's going to look when he when he comes into the season. But, uh, you know, I've been impressed with Robertson. I, I talked to him way back in like March when the season went unpaused and I was really impressed with his mindset and his confidence and the way he kind of feels like you know, and why wouldn't he that he's kind of he's got a good chance of of getting a look here and the way he, he talked about finding the little parts of his game to get better and changing his diet. And it was uh, I, I'm he's an impressive guy. I mean, and, you know, based on what we've heard from him, I wouldn't certainly put it past him that he could come up and, and play a role. Um, he's basically had another off season here, basically, to, to get stronger. Um, I'm just not quite as, as I guess, gung ho as you guys are and about kind of thrusting him in to this spot, but if he has a good camp, I can certainly see that it's a good potential, a possibility that he is in that third line left winger spot. Well, the, the problem that like with Janssen out, um, they were having a lot of trouble diff- generating offense from the third and fourth line. Like they were having, a, they just wasn't a very dynamic look and, and they don't really have another piece to put in that third line left wing spot where I, I, I feel like that's going to give them what they need there. So uh, to me, Robertson's the logical choice. Um, what happens on the fourth line is, I mean, you, you, you want Spezza to play. Do you, you, you probably want Clifford to play it. it I get, I, what do you do? What do you run? You do, you do like Clifford Goche Spezza on the wing or, you know, it's, and then there, you got Malgin as well, who didn't really show anything to impress me. And, and the thing that I do like about Engvall is the the speed factor, and just he, he's was he had some really strong defensive play, and and on the penalty kill he looked really intriguing as well. So, you know, it's 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 not a slam dunk in terms of what the configuration looks like. I just think that they need some offensive threat from that third line, and they just weren't getting it enough during the season, especially when they ran into injuries. And that that's one of those things where I look and I I feel like Robertson is something that they really need right now. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point, James. Sorry, sorry Mark, I'll, I'll swing to you in a sec. But, like, I think you need, you, like, or, or I think you want someone who's going to scare John Tortorella a little bit. And, and I think you put him on that third line, and suddenly, like, you got to think a little bit more about that guy as opposed to, like, if Pierre Engvall's there. You're, you're like, yes, the speed is going to catch off guard. I think an interesting subsequent question, maybe that's not the right word, is, is like Engvall, Clifford, or Goche. And, and obviously Clifford, they brought in for his experience. 
uh, his different skill set from what they have. He's heavy, and I think that that probably plays well potentially against a team like Columbus. But I also wonder if they get into that series early and if it doesn't work with Clifford on that fourth line, if he's the guy who gets bounced and you just look to get that extra speed from Engvall and the penalty-killing ability into your lineup or you bounce someone like Goche. I just think they'll want Goche uh, as an extra center. Um, and usually, like him and Spets obviously bounce back and forth. But I wonder if, it, if Clifford's the guy who ends up maybe not playing. Like, that doesn't seem right, but I, I think it's possible. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was just going to mention that when it comes to this matchup with Columbus, you're going to want to try and expose the bottom part of their lineup a little bit. And, and if you have a third line that can score, which uh, James mentioned wasn't happening down the stretch really much at all, it takes a little pressure off the big boys, obviously, but it also can wear down Columbus. And, and, and from a mental point of view in a short series, you, you can maybe steamroll if you're getting production from your bottom six in that scenario. And we know Zach Rowenski and Seth Jones are probably going to play a lot of the game. Uh, but if the Leafs can get to their the bottom two pairings there, Gavrikov, Savard, those guys, Harrington, if he's playing, and uh, there, there could be an opportunity there. And if Robertson looks like the guy he, he looked like in junior hockey, if he can translate some of those elements to, to the pros uh, in a weird environment, then then yeah. But uh, again, as we've said this whole time, the margin for error is going to be so small in terms of evaluating these guys in a best-of-five series. You know, one mistake in, in game one, a giveaway or whatever, trying to do too much, in a one nothing two one game, that could be the difference. So it's it's tough. This is where Sheldon Keefe's gonna, you know, you know he hasn't you know seen Robertson in person really. He didn't get a preseason game um, out of training camp last year, which Kyle Dubas has said he you know he could go back and change if he could. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's a tough call. It's not it's not an easy call, but you can certainly see the upside, and that'll certainly be one of the big big storylines in training camp. But you know what, Mark, to your point about how tight it's going to be. This guy, and granted, like it was just, it was the OHL, it's not the NHL, but there is potential that this guy is a game breaker. And if this is going to be a really close series and it's five games and like it's going to happen really fast, there's no home ice advantage aside from like last change. If you can get a guy who can change the game for you like that to like join Matthews and Nealander and Marner and Tavares, I just think that's like another weapon that you can't ignore. But obviously, like you said, he's never played a preseason game. Like he's, this is, he's going to be trying to play in the NHL at, amid a pandemic, having never played in any NHL setting. So that is a big ask of him. Uh, James, do you have anything to add before we go on to the final player, my player? All, all I will say is, I say he does it. I think, I think he can do it. Robertson can. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think he's ready, and I think he's going to make an impact, and I think he's going to s- surprise some people. Okay, final player, my choice. I thought long and hard about this, and I decided to go with Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, he has not played since December 27, I believe is the date, when he had his wrist cut by Jesper Brat. Um, but I think he um, brings something that they've obviously been lacking or were lacking in the, the three months that, that he hadn't played, I guess two-plus months, whatever it was. Um, but like that really caused a problem, um, not having an extra winger to play with Tavares uh, and Neander. That they had to move Kerfoot up. Then they they were missing a, a capable, suitable third line center. Uh, and I think getting Mikheyev back, like Mark said, you play him with Tavares. He brings a heaviness. He brings some speed. He can score a little bit. Like when we were last looking at him in late December, like he was looking like man, like this guy is on the the rise. Like this guy 
is a top six winger. And, and I think we even saw right before, you know, things shut down in LA, they practiced in the Kings facility, I believe it was. And Mikheyev was not ready to come back. Like he wasn't even close, but Keith just wanted to get a look at him with Tavares and Marner. And I think when he comes back or when they come back, um, getting him in that position, I think, is going to solve some problems that they were having before. I think that's a good choice, Jonas, because he's there's a, you talk about wild card factors, and there's another one. Like it's been so long since Mikheyev's played high level hockey, and that's a very very significant injury. And we're just talking like it's a given that he's going to be in the top six and that he's going to play on a, such an important line that's going to play big minutes. And what if? What if he's thrown off by the break? What if he's not the same player that we remember watching in November and December? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's not like the Leafs are super deep on left wing, and they're going to have a ton of options to play in that spot. And, I mean, I guess you could move, I guess you could move Nylander over to left wing, and then and bump Kapanen up or Kerfoot up, and then that could be a, a workaround for them. But um, you know, they if they can get Mikheyev playing at the level he was when he looked really really good, it's another huge boost along the lines of. If Dermott can be what he was at his best, and Anderson at his best, and Riley at his best, and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty over a lot of these different guys, and he's he's probably near the top of that list. What's the soup menu you look like at Hotel X down in X National <laughs> Exhibition Grounds there to see? What is Hotel X? Have you do you know what Hotel X is? It's a very secretive location. Uh, <laughs> I've played tennis there. Yeah, they have some, okay. some nice courts, and uh, th- so you do know about it. I've been granted uh, secret access there, so yeah, it's a very nice uh, place. Players will love it. I, again, I, I haven't eaten there, so I don't know if they'll. Summer is maybe not soup season, but uh, but I was just looking at uh, Mikheyev's uh, stats right before the injury. Not six points in the six, six six games, four goals. I mean, he was he was turning up. It really is unfortunate for him and. Um, when you looked at his numbers, I was when we were doing our NHL awards uh, voting. I was looking at the Calder, and um, he he would have he would have been in the mix there if he had kept going on what he was going. Obviously, an older guy, um, but you're right. You just don't know how is he going to respond to this injury. And and again, as you pointed out, they don't have the depth necessarily there on the left side. I mean, I, I was thinking maybe even Robertson could could rise to that spot. Uh, in the in the top six, I mean, depending on how things play out, I mean, that's just how how thin yeah. the options seem to be in that spot right now. So they really need, and this is why it's a good pick by Jonas. They really need Mikheyev, Mickey to be fine, uh, so <laughs> to speak, uh, in, in that spot coming back from a really really tough injury and a really long period of inactivity. Well, and Mark, to to like do a little sidebar, um, I remember I wrote a story about Robertson. I don't remember when. Because everything just feels like a blur. Uh, but one of the things I do think we'll see, given what we know about Sheldon Keefe, is like a lot of different, like him just trying stuff. Like I think we will see Robertson spend a few shifts with Matthews and spend a few shifts with Marner and Tavares. Because why not? And that's what we saw Keefe do a bunch. Like he would get Marner out there with Matthews and Neander. He'd try all different kinds of things. Um, but but I do think to both your points, like maybe you underestimate or you overlook how serious an injury that was. And granted, like he was expected to to come back and be fine. Uh, but you wonder how coming back from that kind of thing under these circumstances, what it's going to be like for him. And then like you think ahead to how interesting this playoff will be for him when it comes to the offseason, because like Travis Dermott, he's an RFA and he's going to need a contract. 
And like, imagine if he has like this big playoff and they have no cap mm-hmm. space. And anyway, you if you're them, you hope that happens because it probably means you're you're having a good playoff. But it could be a difficult negotiation later. Yeah, I, I the Leafs. You look at their cap situation; they're going to have no choice but to to do one year deals with Mikheyev and Dermott. Like, I just I can't see any way around it. I don't, they would have to trade away multiple players if they're going to try and sign those guys long term, so or even medium term. So. The cap being flat at 81.5 is basically a worst-case scenario for the Leafs, especially given that it might be 81.5 for years to come. And I'm working on a piece that looks ahead to the multiple-year ramifications of the new CBA for the Leafs. And it's, I don't know if I want to call it grim, but it's certainly going to require maybe a little bit of a rethink of, of the Leafs' plan. With a, I mean, this can be stuff that we talk about on another episode next week, Jonas, but... You know, McKeev and, and Dermott are certainly part of part of the equation there, and so is Anderson, and so is Hyman, because you know he's another guy that's only got one year left on his deal. But it is interesting, and, and Mark, I'll swing it back to you just uh, one more time. Um, how important like McKeev has become in like a very short amount of time. Obviously, like it was a few months before he got hurt, but like you take Janssen out, like imagine you don't have McKeev. Suddenly it's like, well, I guess we saw, we saw what that looked like. You know, obviously Janssen gets hurt and like, they're just kind of scrambling. Like Dennis Malgan is playing in your top six and I can't see, unless there's like a slew of injuries, him playing in this playoff run and you wonder what like his future within the organization is. We're not doing a deep dive on Dennis Malgan, but oh, he was like Mikheyev in a very short... He oh, was my next, next pick, you, Jonas. Yeah. You have no more picks. You're done. You you well, are the weakest link. Goodbye. We're gonna. Oh, there's a good. There's a there's a, a current reference right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, yeah, anything else to add? Well, how do I follow that? Um, I just wanted to know. You know, we're talking about like they couldn't find that 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 guy in the top six, and they they finally in that last game before the break, or before the pause, before the pandemic shut everything down, is. They, they finally bumped uh, Kapanen up there to give him another look. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you recall this, but I, I talked to Keith before the game. I'm like, you know, why was why are you doing this now? And he's like, well, we know it didn't go really well for, for Kasperi in the top six earlier this season. So we've been trying to put that off as much as possible. And eventually they just, they had no choice. Nothing else was working. And so Kapanen hasn't really worked in the top six. He's really been much more comfortable. Uh, and he actually was looking a lot more comfortable in that third line role with Clifford kind of, inspiring him to, to drop the gloves a couple times and he seemed to have that feistiness that he that he plays well with so um it's just it's it's yeah it's 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 if Mikheyev is not looking like himself and he's had such a long layoff then it does pose some 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 interesting uh, lineup dilemmas and again Sheldon Keefe's going to be on the on the hot seat for the, for this whole training camp and pushing the right buttons and you look at the talent and you look at the skill and you feel like the Leafs should win this series but um the Jackets, boy, it's it's they're tricky, uh, well coached and finally healthy. Like the Leafs had injury problems, but nobody had injury problems like the Jackets, who lost the most man games. They get everybody back. Dispute that. Dispute yes. that. Yes. All right. Well, whatever. That. They yeah. equal. Like they had they had injury problems. Not like the, especially before the break too. They they get a lot of guys back um, as well. So either way, it's not like you can say oh the Leafs were were dogged by injuries, which they were. Um, in in a in a way that uh, makes it uh, more impressive than what Columbus did. So it's going to be a fascinating series, uh, and uh, I think we've hit on pretty much all the. Did we miss anyone? Is there any big snubs other than Mulgan? Maybe Jake Musden could have been on the fascinating 
players to watch list as a as hey, hey we, we still we got still time got, we got more episodes yeah. mark oh, we we're more, gonna come back for we'll part three of this. yeah yeah we yeah have to, <laughs> you sound you you sound stunned it took three you plus sound... months to get me back for part two well mark it's a it's we were waiting until until there was more interest in the, in the team okay i don't know it you know this we, is sweeps we'll be, huh? uh yeah well yeah exactly yeah we're gonna need you here over the next couple of weeks as things pick up so you know be ready start working on your picks and but I did want to, like, before we, we break here, I did want to ask you how you're kind of thinking about being in the bubble and, and what the access is going to be like and what covering games in the this environment is going to be like. And I'm just curious what your thoughts on that are. So uh, for, for Phase 3, I guess, training camp, I think we're going to be able to watch these practices. I'll be standing six feet away from, from, from you or whoever the other reporters. I believe that that's going to be the case. And... Um, I'm giving you a big hug. Yeah, a virtual high five, and then we're gonna everything's gonna be on Zoom or WebEx or whatever. So it's gonna be obviously tougher than than you know it's tougher for everyone. This whole thing is tough. So from my perspective, TV, we're gonna get the the video of the guys, which is always positive, and I I'll be intrigued to see like how many questions we can get in, and just the timing is gonna be tough, and getting it's gonna be like hurting. Guys, so I, I'm intrigued. I'll see. We'll see what what it comes out comes down to uh, in training camp. But I feel like we're we're going to be able to to at least get the access to the guys that we need to get access to to do stories. And then in the in phase four, I know some guys are going to be in, allowed to watch the games from like the upper bowl or the press box. There, the 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 bubble will only be like the event level, right? So no 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 journalists down there. But I think it will be. Uh, I'm trying to. I've been kind of going back and forth. Like how how much value is there? In, in being in the building versus just obviously watching watching at home or on, on television or whatever. And I'm sure it's going to be quite something if you're there for for the first few games where there's no fans and just what that's going to be like. Um, and, yeah, it's a great unknown. I, I don't know what it's what is, what is it's going to be like I'm, or what sort of stories we're going to get and, and how comfortable the players are going to be on, on those Zooms and, and, you know, how many questions we'll be able to get in. So it's, there's a lot of unanswered questions. It's going to be new for everyone. Um, and you just kind of got to roll with the punches because this is a far from ideal scenario for, from anyone. And I just kind of, am hoping that it all works out well in terms of health wise and safety wise, the health authorities have signed off. So you gotta, gotta trust them on that. But, uh, it just feels like there's so many twists and turns with this, with this COVID-19 that, uh, that, that's really what I'm hoping for. If, if it can just go off without a hitch, the stories will, will write you- themselves. You don't have to worry about the coach commenting on your shoes or anything like that. Like that, all that, all, yeah. all those kind of interactions are going to be gone. Right, and but that's unfortunate because sometimes those are, those are the best, the best stuff. Some <laughs> days when I don't have anything else to ask, and say, "What do you think of my shoes?" But uh, yeah, it's I, I can't imagine it's going to be as comfortable as if you're standing right beside someone or a few feet away in a in a scrum. It's a little lends itself more to, to to humor a bit or at least a more relaxed atmosphere. I find. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, again, I, 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 it's, to me, it's the great unknown for everyone and I don't know what it's going to be like for us and if we're going to get in a rhythm and if we're going to be able to tell the stories you want to tell, but, uh, you just got to make the most of it. Right. Yeah. And I just add, I think we just have to accept that nothing is ideal right now. And if we can't do as great a job writing stories and doing stories for TV as normal, that's fine. Like there are worse things going on in the world right now, way worse. It's not that big a deal. But um, I think we should 
But, but Jonas, <laughs> we're going to have amazing coverage at The Athletic, and everyone should subscribe. Oh, and yeah, tell we'll do the best we can. And by no, the coverage is going to be even better than before. We are going to find ways to penetrate this situation. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Our coverage is going to be really good. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to finally get going again and get everything up and running and there to be game, all these games on. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think the access challenges are going to be insurmountable. And as you're saying, Jonas, like everyone's making the best of the difficult situation in every respect around the world right now. And we're no different. And it's just going to be exciting that we're going to have something to potentially to, to write about and talk about here. Right. And in any environment, guys, find different ways to, to be successful. Just be yeah. like the players on the ice. Yeah. They're going to raise their – the guys who are the best usually raise their level, and I'm sure it will be similar. People find different ways to tell stories and adjust and adapt, and I'm sure we'll see that in our business as well. Okay. Well, Mark, we will have you back for the most interesting Leafs part three <laughs> before yeah. games come back. We thank you for coming on. We hope you're staying safe and healthy and uh We'll see you at the uh, the arena, socially distanced, yes. very soon. So thank you, James. Keep well. I will talk to you very soon. Thank you, guys. The trilogy will be completed. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.